time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Welcome back to The Right Conversations, friends. So thrilled to have you here today. We have a guest that is calling in 12 hours apart from me right now. Um, it took a little while for us to find a time that worked where we were both awake and alert. Um, and here we are. We found it. Um, so we are having a conversation today around what we would call mismatched libidos. And, and I know that there's a lot of discussion around kind of changing that uh, term. But for now, we're just, we're going to say conversation around mismatched libido and, and sexual shame. And to talk about this today, I have Dr. Angela Tan with us. Angela, will you introduce yourself? And thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's really an honor to be able to speak to a whole large group of audience from a different continent and a different time zone. Um, so anyway, I'm Angela here. I'm from Singapore. I work as a doctor specializing in sexual wellness. So I've been in I've been a doctor for like 15, 16 years. And it only took me, it took me like a decade to realize that medical school taught me nothing about sex. Yeah. Right. And that was when I pursued my studies um, in sexual wellness in the hope that we can close up the gap between medical science and the arts of the human world. Why do you think that is like what? Because I've heard this from multiple doctors and, and mm -hmm. across continents, right? Like this is not, this seems to be a universal issue. Is that yeah. your experience as well? I mean, it is. It's not just cultural. I mean, back in anatomy days, we talk about the penis. We talk about the scrotum. We talk about, you know, how the penis erects. But we don't talk about whether the clitoris actually have uh, erectile tissue or not. And only learned it in the last five years. Wow. Wow. Okay. So talk to me about your, before we get into the, the mm. quote unquote official topic, talk to me about your journey with that. You, you went to medical school and you were like, why am I not learning this? And then what, I what didn't did you realize that? Cause if you don't know something, you don't know something, right? Right. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Yes, exactly. So I went to medical school. I did a master's in medicine. So, you know, I, I have a postgrad degree. And so I'm like, okay, I'm really, really, you know, expert and pro in what I'm supposed to be trained in. And then I was sitting there in my clinic. Um, a couple of people came by and asked, you know, doctor, so how do I improve my sex life? Now that I have a kid, um, it gets pretty painful. All right. Um, so I've tried Vigra, you know, it doesn't seem to work. Is there something else that I can do to help my erections? And I realized I have no answers to that question. Yes, physiologically, I understand you need an erected penis. You need a vagina that you can enter for sex to happen. But how to get it going and how to make sure that the penis erect and how the vagina entrance is actually relaxed enough, I have no idea. And I didn't know 
that, you know, most women actually don't feel great with penetrative sex. They enjoy stimulation around the whole vulvar region, the clitoris region, but not always about penetration. Yeah. And yet that is the really the only type of sex that we learn, right? Like, yeah, I, I think you'll appreciate this, uh, Angela. I, I, my definition of sex as a sex mm. therapist, and mm. I define it as a meaningful experience of pleasure. Yes. So that there's nothing about penetration. There's nothing about gender. There's nothing about which things are being touched because for and everybody, there's nothing it's so about different. orgasm as an endpoint. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And yet in, in all of our cultures, there's mm -hmm. this, like, when you hear sex, you think of penis and vagina and yes. that it ends with the penis owner orgasming. And that is how mm -hmm. you know that that is the end of the sexual experience. And that's so sad. Yes. So, so when you realize this, what did you do? How did you go about finding? Um, so, you know, doctors are really, really good at writing this thing called the referral letter. Hmm. What is that? So, Can you? So, so basically it's a letter that we write across our colleague. So let's say my, my patient, I think he has a heart problem. I'll write to a cardio, cardiologist. If this person I'm thinking has a gastric problem, I'll write to the gastroenterologist. If I think this patient has got, you know, hormones issue, I'll write it to the endocrinologist. Then yeah. I realized, and I looked through my list, I have no one to refer to for sex problems. Mm -hmm. Is it the urologist or is it the gynecologist? It sounds about right, but it's not quite right at the same time, if you get what I mean here. Yeah. Yeah. So what and, happened? And it was like, that was when I started searching. Is there someone that I can really refer to outside the system that I know? And at a point in time, there's only one sex therapist based in Singapore. Only one? Yes. In all of Singapore? Yes. Holy at least shit. What, that's what was claimed. Yeah. yeah. Oh and so my... that got me started on my journey. Right. Maybe I should learn a thing about too how this whole sex therapy thing works. Wow. That is my brain is exploding that is wild so where did you go from there how did you start learning and finding resources mm -hmm, for yourself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i started reading and i was like okay how do i get myself certified and that was when um i got to know um about the sexual medicine committee based in the europe and that was where i got myself trained wow holy so shit. i'm glad things have changed a lot since then I would hope so. So how, yeah, how have things changed? What have you seen? So um, in the government sector, we do have a women's hospital and now they have a small clinic that does um, sexual wellness for them. Oh. But because this is a government-based hospital, the waiting time can be as good as a couple of months. Oh my God. Okay, so it's there. We made progress in the fact that it exists mm -hmm. and it's not... The, all the kinks are not worked out yet. Yes, I mean, now at current, including myself, um, there are three ladies who claim that we can do sex therapy and a couple of experts who do uh, marriage counseling on top of some sex-related stuff. So okay. we have made some progress. Okay, yeah. And the fact that the government there is actually funding things like this mm -hmm. is progress in itself. Mm. Oh man. So you've been on the front lines of really bringing 
education and support and medicine around sexual wellness to Singapore? I mean, that's what we are trying, um, but it's not an easy task. Yeah. See, um, because we can't get into schools to do, I mean, I, I would love for a change if we can change the way we teach about relationships and sex in school. It will make a huge change because whatever issues I'm seeing right now stem from the lack of holistic education when they were much younger. Can you speak more to that? Because I, I talk about this a lot from my perspective, and I would love to hear to hear yours. Right. For example, when we talk about shame, right? Um, so in school, I, I think growing up, all of us grew up with, you know, movies, drama serials about how sex is being romanticized. Right. And like yep. the epitome of sex is like two people crazy for each other, challenge each other, close off. And it gets really heated up and then they have great sex. Yeah. Yeah. But in real that is life, the, that, that is the movie scene. Yes. And in because in real life, that doesn't happen. And people end up and say, Oh, do I have a low libido? Is that my problem? I don't have the desire to be tearing my partner's clothes off. And they're feeling shameful about their lack of their desire for their partner when they're overwhelmed with work, with household chores, with you know, minding of their kids and different things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost uh, what I hear you saying, and tell me if this is off, is like mm -hmm. because the expectation is set from what we see in movies and TV yes. and not yes. in reality, mm -hmm. then the human in the real world has the perception mm -hmm. of like, I have a low libido or mm -hmm. I feel shame around whatever my libido is because it's not mm -hmm. matching this model yeah. that I'm seeing on the screen. Yes. And same go for pornography. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. In in most porn, it's like in two seconds, the vulva owner is like dripping wet out of her vagina. And you're like, OK, that was 120 seconds. Like, yeah. OK, which in reality, we know is like, you know, an hour of getting this person warmed up and then they start filming. And blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if if you were in charge of curriculum for mm -hmm. uh sex ed for mm -hmm. in school what would you want to add or take away what would you shift i would say for the first part can we teach two and three years old how to say vulva for the for vulva and say yes. penis for penis and not anything like pet pack or dick or birdie or you know anything else yes so actual anatomy like real names yeah yeah anything else it, um that's where to start and to tell kids that, you know, um, sex is not shameful. Your body parts are not shameful. We are covering it up because we need to protect ourselves. I mean, you don't want to have an insect flying to your vagina. Right. <laughs> I love that. You're wearing clothes because we don't want flies up in your vagina, not because it's a shameful body part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, shame stems from there, right? Yeah. And how, you know, I always encourage parents, like right from birth, when you're cleaning your your kids' area after a pee yeah. or pool, just label those parts accordingly. Like I'm I'm cleaning up your vulva. I'm cleaning up your yeah. your butt. Yeah. 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 It, is that normal, right? Yeah. So so the, the shame actually stems right from there. And then I, I guess it's fine, you know, to have parents and kids walking around naked at their homes if their home is like nice and cozy and then there's no neighbors peeping in of course yeah yeah 
Yeah. So normalizing, normalizing nudity in a non-sexual way, like normalizing bodies. Yeah. And then when is it a time to say that, okay, maybe it's time for you to not shower with your cousin of the opposite gender together? Yeah. How, how do you draw that boundaries healthily rather than say, oh, you're all grown up now, you're, you're so separate, you know? How do you do a clear explanation to them about body boundaries and when is it comfortable and uncomfortable to do so? Yeah. So you don't do it until puberty before you like, you know, try to download the whole thing to them and it, it just can be so overwhelming. You, you know, that's so interesting. It's like, you, you're right, we wait we like treat them like really little kids and then we mm-hmm. wait and then all of a sudden we just like dump all of this information like you're gonna have body hair and you may bleed out of your vagina and you're gonna do this and then also you and can't you're shower get with STI, this you're gonna get pregnant yes yes exactly and you're like oh my god what what is ah like and they're already hormonal like it's a lot to take in. it is it's way too much yeah you know, I I have talked o- openly about this on mm-hmm. <laughs> on the podcast. I was nine when I got my period, and right. I was so grateful. My my mom had taken me to like a private mommy mm-hmm. and me sex ed class mm-hmm. earlier that year, and I remember right. a lot of people like criticizing her for taking mm-hmm. me to a sex ed class at nine, and she yeah. was like, "She's nine, like." she could be entering puberty and we need to talk about this stuff. And so we went and I learned, like, it was one of the best, I like still remember the lessons. Like it was mm-hmm. one of those really impactful things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that summer I started my period and mm. I was so, I mean, it was still an overwhelming experience and I cried and I was like with my grandma, it was like a whole thing. Um, Maybe I should do a podcast episode on that. Um, But I was so grateful that my mom had taken me because I knew what was happening. Right. Right. And I can only imagine that, that folks who don't get that are like, yeah, I'm like leading out. I'm dying. (laughs) I mean, I didn't think I was dying. I was like, what's going on? And then I kind of ignore it because um, one of my defense mechanisms is to avoid or to deny. So until my grandma who's doing the laundry look at my pants and said, hey, you know, you're having your period. I'm like, really? What's that? Wow. And then I remember my, because at that point in time, my parents has divorced. My mom no longer stays with us. So my grandma has to activate my aunt who then brought me to the provision shop to buy my first packet or sanitary pads. And the shopkeeper was an uncle, was a male. And I was so awkward around it. I'm like, okay, this is just way too much. Yeah, yeah. The honeypot is more than the products in your bathroom cabinet. It's embracing that time of the month. It's staying balanced through the ups and downs, good sex and bad sex. It's exploring, it's learning, it's plant-derived. Powered by herbs and science, the first complete personal care system to get you what you need when you need it. Check out The Honeypot at Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and on thehoneypot.co. You can enter code RACHEL20, that's R-A-C-H-E-L-2-0, for 20% off your first Honeypot order on thehoneypot.co. Okay, wow. Let, we could talk about so many things. So let's fast forward into your work today. And yes. tell, 
I would love to hear a little bit about like what your day-to-day looks like, who you work with, what, what you're doing now that you have mm. really changed the course of sexual wellness in Singapore, which is like an amazing sentence to say. I hope that you like see how incredible that is. Well, um, in my day-to-day, um, I spend a bit of time doing content creation that you can put on social media. And um, I work with different organizations to help them create content or I do consultant work. So like Tinder right. and Durex are some of my clients. Um, then in addition, I do workshops for corporates. Um, and then I have my private clients who come and see me for their personal issues. So that's pretty much the range. And of course, um, as a company CEO, then I have to also handle the business side of playing finance and, you know, strategize with the team, how to get all this going at the same time. Yeah. And being a full-time mom. (laughs) Oh yeah. So you, you're not busy at all. Not busy at all. Just like, you know, laying around, eating bonbons, watching TV. That's yeah. Lazy life. Or best. Um, watching pornography so that I can help people improve their sex life. Maybe (laughs) I love, I do love being able to put on porn and being like, I'm doing research right now. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, when you work with couples or people Mm -hmm. in relationship, whatever form their relationship looks like, one of the most common things that I know I, I hear, and I'm I'm sure you hear based mm-hmm. on our conversations, mm-hmm. is our libidos are not the same. Yeah. And this is like the never-ending question. And there's so many different ways to go about it and, and look at it. I would love to hear what you do with mm. people who come in kind of presenting with that so that anyone listening to this conversation who's like, that's me. I have I have a different libido than my partner or my partner's. And and help. What do you? How do you start with people like that? Right. Um. So first, let's demystify this thing. Like the stereotype is in the heterosexual couple relationship, the male is the one with the higher libido and the female the lower one. But in reality, I see a good mix. Yep. And that's where yep. the shame comes in, because you know the female who has a higher libido will feel that this is not correct am i a slut you know and i like you know someone who's craving for sex is this too much so i have to actually deal with that guilt and embarrassment before i can actually start on the therapy itself mm. which is any part of the therapy right so yeah um yeah, and interestingly um when it comes to low libido other than for medical reasons the psychological reasons are quite varied but I do realize there's a consistency pattern here whereby the lack of psychological safety is one of the cause of low libido. Okay, Can you say so more? Um, yeah, so so for example, um I just saw a couple today, um, and the guy was not able to sustain his erections or even be interested in sex because um he felt very fearful of his wife. And then as I probe more into that, um, apparently the wife is, well, I mean, she demonstrated it during the session. Uh, uh, she throws yeah. tantrums pretty easily. Okay. Okay. And, and even though when they first started a relationship, it was good because he enjoys sharing his inner thoughts with her. She makes her him feel really safe. And that was why she, they got married. 
but with the marriage and the lack of frequent sex activity you know the wife started to feel insecure is there something wrong with me am i not attractive enough and she gets more and more temperamental with that but she gets more and more temperamental the husband starts to shut down because he couldn't take all these extra emotions because his mom was like that too and hence he actually has a strange relationship with the mom so whatever the wife was doing um was causing him to shut down like yeah. how he was shutting down to his mom and because he was shutting down she was trying to gather attention so a bigger tantrum she threw because as a kid yeah. um, whenever she threw attention her parents would give in so it that was, was really her way to get attention correct yeah so it was interesting you know how their ways of how they interact actually exacerbate the whole situation and ended yeah. up with sexless marriage for two years wow i so thank you for i really appreciate this example because this is exactly <laughs> let me let me rewind <laughs> when i tell people that i'm a sex mm -hmm. therapist right often people think that i'm like sitting directing like no this position will help you mm -hmm. orgasm more or and and granted like there's there can be elements of that sometimes in mm -hmm. the work but most of my work is exactly what you're describing which is like the presenting problem is something related yes. to sex like my yes. libido is lower than i want i can't maintain my erection i'm not um able to reach climax i it, mm -hmm. whatever the sexual thing is mm -hmm. and really underneath that the why of whatever's going on has absolutely nothing to do with sex exactly <laughs> sex is something very technical if you get the steps right you get it yes <laughs> yes yes so <laughs> has there has there ever been a time can you think of a, mm -hmm. a client or an example that you can share of someone who came in and said like we're not seeing eye to eye on libido i want to have sex this much they want to have sex this much mm -hmm. like we could mm -hmm. take gender out of it um mm -hmm. and you worked with them and they found some sort of balance yeah, that, that often happens because they had to find a compromise somewhere whether it be the frequency so some of the things that i prescribe would include um a fixed frequency and mm -hmm. a fixed date in fact Ooh, so say they, more about this yeah um okay so once upon a time when i did a TikTok video say that scaling sex is one of the ways to help improve sex life i got shamed for it like i have a hundred comments to say that that is so not sexy <gasps> oh i disagree completely <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you i think scheduling sex is like one of the best <laughs> and hottest things that you can do exactly because it builds out the whole anticipation you can actually flip with each other like day before, two days before, because you know it's going to happen. And, and that kind of builds up everything. But then catch each other off guard and things like that. Yep. It was nice. There was this couple that I had. Um, the, the wife. I mean, it's easier for me to say who is this so that I don't mix up instead of saying A and B, I guess. Right? Sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the wife has a lower libido and the husband has a much higher libido. And the thing is, um, the wife finds sex a chore because mm. there were so many steps to it. But she was happy to cuddle. She was happy to hold hands. She was happy to kiss. Mm. So mm -hmm. as a result, we decided, okay, why don't we embark on this? Let's do daily cuddles instead. Will that work for you? 
Yes. And the husband immediately jumped in and said, yes, you know. Oh. Right, if I get cuddles every day, I will do anything he takes to get those cuddles. Oh. And cuddles only. Because there was, a, there was imagination if, if she allowed him to cuddle, he will want sex. Yes. And hence, in order to not have sex, she will omit all the cuddles as well. Yes. 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 Because they have different bedtimes, the wife sleep much earlier, around 10, 11 p.m. The husband can sleep anytime from 10 p.m. or 2 a.m., depending on his fancy. So because of the mismatch at bedtime, they rarely find a time together. Yeah. So the yeah. proposal was that, you know, to have the husband every day at 10.30, have his teeth brushed, make sure he's showered and all clean for cuddles. I love this. It's one of my favorite uh, mm -hmm. tools is taking sex or orgasm off the table mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and allowing people to just be in what yeah. feels good. And it sounds like mm -hmm. that's what that's what worked for this couple. Yeah. Because he what he wanted was physical affection, not necessarily right. sex all the time. Right. But because of her fear of like any form of physical affection would lead to sex, yeah. she would deny of all this physical affection. And that's it's pretty common, boundaries. Mm -hmm. right? Is that common for you too? Like I, I see that a lot where people, people will like deny kisses. Yes. They'll deny butt grabs. They'll deny mm -hmm. flirting because they're mm -hmm. afraid that that is step one in like a 20 step plan to, to wind up with penetrative intercourse. And they're like, don't even touch my head. You can't, I'm going to, you're going to want sex. And the other yeah, person's like, I'm just so touching your head. Yes, 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 exactly. There's much concern about the disappointment if they were to reject. So myself, I reject outright so that I don't build a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like, I think couples don't talk enough about this. Like what is okay? What is not okay? And how do they do a more graceful or amiable rejection? Yeah. This is saying, no, I don't feel good today. Like, no, look, honey, you know, today is really not the day. Because I was swarming work to, earlier today and then just now I had to clean up the kids' mess and now I'm really tired. Then open up my schedule. How about next Saturday? You know, yeah. things look pretty good that day. Shall we schedule something for that day instead? Yeah. What's so the worst way, one of the worst ways you've seen someone mm -hmm. reject, like turn down? Um, I don't know, maybe like one of the partners already, you know, sexy laundry or half naked or something. And then the person just say, I'm tired. Then off the lights and then off they go. Oh, oh, you said that and my whole body was like, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> but it seemed to happen pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah. And, and on both sides, there's like <laughs> assumption there, right? It's like, if you're already dressed up and you're like trying yeah. to be spontaneous, but your partner has a desire type that's not spontaneous, it's going to be, oh, oh, I just want to hug everyone. <laughs> we well, the worst part is holidays. You know, holidays, people always think they're going to have mm. sex on the holidays. But like then, birthday, anniversary, that yeah, type of thing. Overseas trip somewhere because Singapore is really small. So we take holidays a lot to unwind. Uh, uh, um, so we always assume as a getaway holiday as, you know, sexy times. But then yeah. Singaporeans, being Singaporeans, we are known to be 
kiasu, which actually means afraid of losing out, we will pack our itinerary to the max. Yeah. And then, you know, how is sex ever going to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We have to create room for it. And again, even schedule it, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and using, you know, the definition that I shared with you, the meaningful experience of pleasure, it's like, when we think about scheduling a container for a meaningful experience of pleasure, that mm -hmm. sounds so much less intimidating than like at 605, your penis will enter my vagina <laughs> or, you know, at like 702, your tongue will lick my clitoris. Like, we're, we're, I think that that's like what happens in someone's brain when they hear schedule sex is they're like, I Maybe. couldn't possibly say at 709, I'll be ready to put it in my butt, you know, like there, there's all these like, but really it's just scheduling this, this space, this container to like do it, you know, to be together. Yeah. All right. The, amazing. So to kind of just wrap this up. Yes. What do you want everyone listening to know? What do you want to leave them with today? I would say, um, let's not go after sex just for sex. Let's instead uh, look for connection because connection is way more beautiful than the act of sex itself. And without connection, sex is pretty meaningless. Might as well just masturbate on your own, right? Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you're doing to change the course of, <laughs> of this industry in Singapore. I'm so honored to have you on this podcast. And if you ever want to do work in the States or like need support in Singapore, I'm, I'm there and I'm here. So let me know. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really love talking to you. I mean, it makes me feel that, you know, I have a counterpart somewhere that is supporting the work that we do and I feel less alone for this. Thank you for it. Yay. That, well, I feel less alone too. So the feeling is very mutual. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Angela. Thank you, Rachel. I'll see you. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.